coming up on Chopper's Politics. Did you wear wigs when you're setting no, up your parliament? I don't even have the proper robe. Uh, we, so we don't have the same regalia. Chris we, is obsessed with wigs, <laughs> by the way. Hello from the lobby room in the House of Commons and welcome to Chopper's Politics. I'm Christopher Hope, Associate Editor of Politics for the Daily Telegraph. And today I'm bringing you a pre-local election special edition of Chopper's Politics podcast. Yes, that's right. We're on the cusp of the most significant midterm elections since the last ones. Let's try that again. We're on the cusp of the most significant midterm elections of Boris Johnson's three-year term as Prime Minister so far. That's better. Tomorrow, millions of voters will go to the polls to decide who they want in charge of their bin collections, local libraries and fixing their road potholes. However, these elections are much more than that. This will be the biggest opinion poll of Boris Johnson's popularity as Prime Minister since the last general election in 2019, and arguably the most significant one for Sir Keir Starmer since he became leader of the Labour Party. And the results could mean that either or both men could be facing questions about their leadership in the near future. Now, later in this episode, you'll hear a report I did with the Telegraph video team from Wandsworth, which could fall to Labour for the first time in the generation. And of course, we're not forgetting the controversy about the culture in Parliament that's rumbling on. So I'll be speaking to Speaker Sir Lindsay Hoyle, who at the weekend called for an overhaul of the working practices in Westminster in the wake of the harassment and bullying scandals. But first, let's look ahead to Thursday's local elections with The Telegraph's very own Tony Diver. Tony Diver, The Telegraph's Whitehall correspondent. Welcome to Chopper's Politics. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. We're here in the lobby room in the House of Parliament. We are indeed. We are indeed. We actually just heard Big Ben bonging. Uh, yes, we haven't bonging, heard Big Ben bonging for, for months, even but, years perhaps. But he or she is bonging uh, outside of normal uh, hours because they're getting it ready, I think, to bong on Jubilee weekend. But uh, that, that's a hope, not a guarantee yet. But listen, Tony Diver, talking of bonging and bells tolling, um, how do you think tomorrow the elections will play out for the major parties? Let's start with the Conservatives. What is a disaster for them? Well, I think a disaster, I mean, a disaster for them is if they lose hundreds and hundreds of seats. And some of the polling has been really bad so far. In fact, some polling that you've had on your podcast previously suggests they might lose as many as 800 seats. Mm, that was electoral calculus, Martin Baxter. And he'll be here on Friday to go over the all results list. And so do tune in. But I mean, his prediction is pretty dire for the Conservatives. I mean, I think, seats, I think even if they were to lose 300, 400 seats, that would be really serious. Because um, the comparable period is, of course, 2018, one year after the disastrous Theresa May election 2017. So there was a difficult time four years ago. So it's not as though it was a boom time for the Tories four years ago. Well, that's right. And these, this cohort of seats, as you say, elected in 2018, is pretty high watermark for Labour and the Lib Dems. They were doing pretty well at the time to get where they did. So for the Tories to lose a significant number of seats on top of that would be really disastrous. I mean, that said, this is a midterm election. You would always expect a government in a midterm election to be losing seats. It'd be very strange if they were to gain lots. So I think you, they could probably price in a loss of about 100 seats. Uh, across the country and and not feel too gloomy about that. But and I think more than that, 
a disaster or getting more towards a disaster, more than towards 800 or 1,000 will be a disaster. I mean, a, th- a thousand would be cataclysmic for Boris Johnson, I think. And losing actual control of councils is also an issue, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And there are a few councils we know they're worried about. Wandsworth Council, for instance, Margaret Thatcher's favourite council, the council that Tories internally talk about as being run as a proper Conservative council. That is, it's got low council tax. It's stripped back pretty bare and they focus on sort of local services. Tories were telling me yesterday that if they were to lose that, that would be pretty disastrous for them and they're worried that they might do. Barnet Council, also in London... Westminster Council, which does have a Tory majority at the moment, but is seen as a bit of a sort of bellwether indication of how the country as a whole is mm. feeling. If Westminster was to flip, then that, that would be pretty problematic. And you as see well. it coming, can't you? Certainly in Wandsworth, with the incre- it's all Labour MPs there now. And you can see this increase, this, this, uh, as MPs start going red, the councillors can follow soon, soon after. And on Labour, of course, it, it's a key time for Keir Starmer. He wants to have a real uh, kind of fillip to, to push him forward into the general election campaign over the next two years. What success or failure looks like for him? Well, I think they probably want to get about 200. I think something more gains gains on what they've already got already. As I say, it is a high watermark. So, you know, I think significantly more than that is quite unlikely because a lot of these places that are currently Tory held are just Tory seats and they probably always will be Tory seats. So more than more than about 200, I think, would be a good result for Keir Starmer. For him, he's got backbenchers looking on, people in his shadow cabinet, perhaps, who, if he doesn't do very well uh, tomorrow, will say, well, look, you are coming off the back of a pretty dire period for Boris Johnson mm. and you've not managed to capitalise on it. And so what does that say about your own leadership? So it, it's actually an existential question both ways for these two men, I would yeah. say. It's not just Boris, it's Keir as well. And the Liberal Democrats, of course, they're, they're active. You've got the, uh, the kimchi-loving, uh, slimmed-down version of Ed Davey. He's busy. He is indeed. In fact, I saw him last week. Uh, we went to a farm in Winchester where he was launching the Lib Dems rural strategy. One of the Lib Dem campaigning techniques uh, during this election is to say, well, the Tories have abandoned rural voters. The Tories, the party of the countryside, the bucolic sort of Stanley Baldwin-esque idea of Tories out in the, in the shires. He <laughs> says they've now abandoned that. And now all the Tories are interested in is the Red Wall. So I went and saw him and some sheep on a farm last week. And will the sheep vote Lib Dem? Well, uh, there was actually a point where he uh, he held a stethoscope to the to this little <laughs> lamb, uh, listened to his heart, and then said to the cameras, "Oh, the the, the lambs are Lib Dem." At which point, the the lamb tried to leave out of his arms and started bleating. <laughs> uh, of course, in Northern Ireland, there's some big big elections there. We could see Sinn Fein become the majority party. That's right. I think in actually that's the story in Westminster that we're not talking enough about. I think actually these Stormont elections are really important. I mean, this is the, the future of power sharing in Northern Ireland could totally flip. We could see Sinn Fein in power. That would be pretty seismic and we've got James Crisp our Europe editor is, is in Northern Ireland yeah. tomorrow so he will be he'll be giving us all the latest from there and of course watch out for next week we'll have lots of Brexit bills in the Queen's speech a Northern Ireland uh, protocol bill of some sort of Brexit freedoms bill all sorts of ways just to try and finish off getting Brexit done by the next election yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's Boris Johnson's legacy, isn't it? This is Boris Johnson was elected to do Which in Which could be harder if Sinn Féin, the majority party in Stormont. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And this, this, we think there's going to be some sort of protocol, but we don't know the details of it. We don't know how the government's going to try and resolve these issues on the border. But I mean, I think it'd be a, a lot harder with, uh, with Sinn Féin in power. And of course, Tony, in Scotland also there are elections. There are indeed. In fact, it's every council seat in Scotland. In, in England, it's about a third of seats overall, but in Scotland, it's every single one. And it sounds like Labour are having a pretty tough time up there at the moment. Obviously, the SNP are, are, are the incumbents mm. in the majority of these seats. And, and the, the Tories you know, will, will, att- will attempt to stage a fight back in some places. And this weekend could be a big weekend for, well, for Keir Starmer if he fails to deliver this, this, this jump forward in, as he needs to do, I think, with councillors for Labour. But equally for the Tory party, um, a disaster could be problems for 
for Boris Johnson, we could be talking about leadership again, couldn't we, next week when Parliament returns? Well, that's right. And backbenchers have actually been talking about the May elections as a hard post in Boris Johnson's leadership for some time. They've been saying that if the Tories don't perform well at the May elections, then that will be the thing that may finish Boris Johnson mm. off, even after Partygate. This These could- so-called post-dated, no confidence letters to Graham Brady, dated Friday. Exactly, exactly. So it could be that we see another flood of letters coming in if, if MPs start to lose their confidence. But I, you, do, you do get the sense from some of these backbenchers that if they really wanted to put the letters in, they probably would have done it already. And it's very easy to keep saying, oh, well, we'll wait until the next elections, we'll wait until the next fine, we'll wait for Sue Gray. Well, we could see a slew of um, fines from that police. They said they would hold off until after the elections. That's Friday. There could be a slew of, of fines going in for Boris Johnson and other senior politicians early next week over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that Number 10 is constantly worried about. They never know when the next one's going to drop, and it, it could very easily be straight after these elections. Well, for, for all the updates in all these elections, please do follow our live blog on our Telegraph website, telegraph.co.uk, forward slash politics. And please do follow Tony Diver's Twitter and my Twitter, and we'll put links to those accounts in the show notes for this episode. Tony Diver from the Lobby Room in the House of Parliament, thank you for joining us this week on Chopper's Politics. Thank you. Thank you. Tony Diver there. And like Tony, I wanted to get out and talk to voters ahead of the polls opening on Thursday. So last week, I took a trip to Wandsworth, a totemic Tory-held council in south-west London, said to be Margaret Thatcher's favourite. Here's how I got on. We're here in leafy Wandsworth, where the Tories are battling to hang on to this key Tory council at the local elections on the 5th of May. Wandsworth has been in Tory hands for 44 years, and has been a poster boy for Tory Thatcherite policies for most of that time. It boasts the lowest council tax in the country and was at the forefront of the Tory party's right to buy policy for council house tenants. Yet the Tories are at risk of losing that majority after slowly hemorrhaging support over the past 20 years. With Boris Johnson under immense pressure from party gate to the cost of living crisis, is the Tory party about to lose a totemic Tory council? at this year's local elections. Let's go and find out. To understand why the Conservatives have held on to Wandsworth for so long, I spoke to the leader of Wandsworth Council, Ravi Govindia. I asked him how the cost of living crisis has impacted upon the Council's historic pledge to keep council tax low. We don't particularly want to charge people more money than we absolutely need. That's a absolute belief of this council. Now, you know, there's no point running a good housekeeping budget in the, in, uh, on Wandsworth and then saying that when times are tough, we still want to not reward you for being with us. So we have been able to reward residents. And actually, that's because we can afford it. We can afford it because we have looked after the money very, very carefully. I'll give you an example. We do not have any debt. We do not have to spend any money servicing a debt. Next door in Lambeth, £12 million goes into servicing their debt. Now, that is the record of delivery, and that is the mark of our success. Malcolm Grimstone has been a councillor in Wandsworth since 1994, and in 2014, he left the Conservative group to sit as an independent. I caught up with Malcolm to discuss whether the Tories really could lose this council on the 5th of May. 
Malcolm Grimston, we're here in, in leafy Wandsworth. It is leafy, look at the leaves. Why is this borough so important, do you think, for reading the runes in the local elections? It's important because it was Thatcher's favourite council, reputedly. It's been a Conservative flagship for many, many years. It almost saved her political life in 1990 when only Wandsworth and Westminster uh, prevented the... only did it for a couple of months, but yeah. it prevented her for after the most dreadful local election result. Would you care to comment on the election results? Well, do you think that this might be the time that Labour take it back? Because it is seen by such, by some um, pollsters, electoral calculus being won. They are saying that this seat might go red for the first time in decades. Well, Labour actually won the popular vote four years ago, very narrowly, but they got more votes than the Conservatives. But the layout of the seats meant the Conservatives had a majority. We've had boundary changes right the way across the borough, which make that more difficult to call. Most people are saying that's more or less neutral. But Labour, I think, are in a better position nationally than they were in 2018. So if I was really pushed, I think now is a pretty good time for Labour, and they may just shade it. But it is going to be exceedingly close. To gauge the mood of locals ahead of the elections on Thursday, I went to Putney High Street and braved the rain. How did you vote last time in 2019 at the general election? I voted Conservative. Now, why aren't you sure? Uh, I'm well, going to guess. <laughs> it, it's, it's the same answer you usually get. It's the toss-up between, you know, uh, being very angry about Boris Johnson and uh, generally preferring a local council run by Conservatives. Because they're doing, they're doing quite well here. They, they're well, well respected, aren't they, the one yeah, the council? council tax. The services are actually quite good relative to other councils in London, which actually charge a lot more council tax. So, uh, but at the same time, what Boris Johnson has done is unforgivable. Will anything get you back to being voting Tory? or get rid of Boris. I think he's a complete not a disgrace. I know it's a local election, but it's the only way we have to give a message. You know, I was a lifetime civil servant. He's wrecking the whole system. Are you a big fan of Boris Johnson? I've always been fond of the... the Conservatives. Conservatives. Yes. Because Miss Thatcher gave me the opportunity to get on the property ladder. So I am a bit, I am a so fan you, of them. So you formerly owned a castle house in Wandsworth? I've been... And you bought it? I bought it in open... That's in, the open in the open market. And are you are you still a conservative? What, what are you? What yes, are you? I'm still conservative. Despite yes. party gates, despite the, the yes, increase in taxation, every, everything because we all make mistakes, and it's not only that. Nobody is going to make miracles when the times are bad. Well, this is purely selfishness. I should be voting Tory because of the low council rates at the moment, but I will not be voting Tory in the next general election. Now, what's your past? Have you always been voting conservative? Um, no, I voted half a dozen different things. I'm more conservative than not, but I've voted Green Party and <coughs> Lib Dems and all kinds of things, but Boris has gone too far. I'm not a, a Boris fan, but um, he's in an awkward position. He's got lots going on in every way yeah. uh, that there is. So um, I don't know if we've got anyone else who can, can do that. Is he doing enough to help, to help you on the cost of living crisis and the Partygate no, scandal? No. Well, Partygate scandal, it's, it's awful, but it's done. It's done. And, um, but, and there is, you know, Ukraine and everything else going on, but I think he needs to open his eyes to what actually is happening in the cost of living. You, you're a lifelong Tory voter. Will you be voting Conservative in Wandsworth for the local elections? I definitely will be. 
and Boris Johnson's behaviour as leader, that doesn't matter to you? Well, not in, in the local elections, no. It'll matter more on the national ones. How will you, how will you vote nationally, just before it starts raining too heavily? Well, if Mr Johnson would get out, then hopefully they've put somebody else in, rather more competent, uh, then maybe I'll stick with the Tories, as I have done. It's clear to me the Tories should be braced, if they're not already braced, for big losses at the local elections in England and Wales on the 5th of May. And Wandsworth could be a case in point. For Wandsworth Council, there's been a, a beacon of low-tax Tory Thatcherite policies. These tax increases brought in by Boris Johnson are really biting, and it hurts. But if the Tories cannot hold Wandsworth, it will be a crippling blow to the Conservative Party and a defeat which will be felt across the country. Right, do stay with us listeners. Coming up, I'll be catching up with Speaker Sir Lindsay Hoyle about whether Westminster has a culture problem, right after this. If you're finding this podcast interesting, you may also like our new daily podcast, Ukraine, the latest. Every weekday, The Telegraph's leading journalists bring you the latest news and the most informed analysis of President Putin's invasion of Ukraine. From our newsroom in London and from the ground. The Russian machine has been ground to a halt now for well over a week, and that is just staggering. NATO has to act now. It has to do more than it's currently doing. Otherwise, in this Ukrainian MP's words, you'll have to evacuate the whole continent. One video that we found to be incorrect was bomb squads seen in the Donbass region. The metadata of this clip shows that it was created in 2019, not today. Search Ukraine, the latest, in the same place you're listening to this, and click follow so you don't miss an update. So a few bad apples, or a culture in need of serious change? That's a question posed by my interview with Caroline Noakes, the Tory chairman of the Women's and Equalities Committee, last week on Chopper's Politics. And at the weekend, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, the common speaker, made headlines when he ordered a review of the culture and how women are treated in Westminster. Now, Sir Lindsay in Parliament this week, while MPs away, has been hosting a speakers-led conference with the speakers from Parliament in the British Overseas Territories. So I headed up to the Speaker's office in the House of Parliament to meet with Speaker Sir Lindsay Hoyle and Madam Speaker Charlena White, who's the Speaker of the Montserrat Parliament. Welcome both to Chopper's Politics Podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Mr Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, to you first. Why are you hosting the British Overseas Territories Conference in Speaker's House this week? I think, first of all, it's important to me, recognising how important the Commonwealth is. But there's a relation in there. Part of our family, our immediate family, is the overseas territories. And I wanted to ensure that they got a voice. It was a voice about expressing their views, their opinions, what the problems are, what the issues are, bringing us together. Collectively being able to provide that platform Mm. in which the overseas territories can start at this conference. And we will build on it, an annual conference, the speakers' conference, making sure that their voice is heard and that we can speak to officials, we can speak to each other. And I thought this is a great opportunity. And we're better in the mother of all parliaments and the family coming together in Speaker's House. Madam Speaker, Charlene White from the Montserrat Parliament, you rely on the UK for two-thirds of your funding, don't you? Yes, so we do. 
other, other things which are not happening, things you can't do on the island that are being delayed because of red tape in, in, in London? Definitely. Because we're still in granting aid, and that's the term that we use, we can't afford to do the things we can because we don't have the finances. And so because of the volcano, here we are 27 years later and still no parliament building. Before the volcano, we had gotten ourselves out of granting aid. We had industries and um, businesses so that we could have maintained ourselves financially. A lot of those things had to leave the island and take homes elsewhere. And so it left us at a disadvantage. I mean, we have about 4,500 as a population. Mm. And so we have to depend on the UK. And a lot of the times... You know, you hear the terminology, well, how do we justify using British taxpayers' monies to do certain things? How do we explain it to the British population? And so we have to write and rewrite and come back and negotiate. Sometimes we get some of the things that we ask for and other times it gets delayed. And, and on laws, you have a problem to change them. I think it was a problem with cannabis, for example. Yes, that is one of the most recent ones um, with the decriminalization of uh, marijuana that has been... Yeah, I mean, reaping around the world. And we've seen some of our neighboring islands, St. Vincent, Jamaica, they've gotten in the industries. And so they're selling and shipping out, helping their countries financially. And we're thinking, okay, here is a market. Maybe mm. this is an industry that we can get in. But because the UK had signed on to a UN declaration for classified drugs, it's impossible for us to move forward with um, something like that. It's holding you back. It really is. It, since it doesn't seem fair, is it fueling any idea of, of um, republicanism, of maybe dropping uh, the Queen as head of state? Not at this time. It's impossible for us to think about it at this time because we're in granting aid. We'd first have to get out of granting aid and start being able to maintain ourselves and then think about being independent mm. and then think about becoming a republic. So several steps, mm. and I don't think we're anywhere near that right now. So Lindsay Hoyle-Monstrat is, is one of several different overseas territories here in Speaker's House this week, aren't there? There are others there, including the Cayman Islands, Bermuda and others. I mean, what kind of benefit can these, these parliaments get from learning from the mother of parliament? I, th- I think it's about supporting each other, but it's also the platform to be able to voice what issues are and what the problems are. And I've got to just say, it's interesting, isn't it, that that volcano back in Montserrat, I've still got families living in Chorley that was displaced. 27 years ago. 27 years ago. Lovely families. You know, I, of course, welcome them to Chorley. But wouldn't it be nice that they have the choice to go back when, mm. when they're in a much better financial position to be able to do so? So that's just one of those little issues, one of those little problems that people are still displaced 27 years later. And of course it is about other overseas territories as well, whether it's the representative of Gibraltar, the Falklands, which is 40th anniversary, which shall be going down to the Falklands for that special anniversary. But it's also listening about Centralina and the problems that they may have and the issues that they want to raise and just joining up some of those things, that voice and the consequence. You know, wasn't it fantastic that we put in that new runway within Centralina? But what a mistake not making it that little bit longer mm. so that our military aircraft, instead of flying having to land in Africa or somewhere else because Ascension Island's out of use, if we'd have extended the runway, we'd have been connecting Centralina to the UK, Centralina to the Falklands, and we would have been able to build the tourism and support them. And they would have been financially better off. And that's part of the conversations that we need to be having. So there's lots to discuss. And it's also about 
getting independent advice as well. It was interesting. All of the conversation was based around, you know, when, when we spoke to each other saying, I'm very lucky. We've got Speaker's Council. So I can take independent advice than what the government's telling me. Because the Attorney General is more than willing to give me the government's advice, but I want that independent advice. Well, when we come to the overseas territories, they haven't got that advice. There's no advice for you? No. No. So it's the Attorney General's <laughs> that's giving the advice, or the Governor's that's office. All, that's, that's a kind of colonial it. attitude, isn't it, towards you should be allowed to have your own legal advice. That's right. And, um, um, and it's a question that came up from some of the opposition members. They're saying, we are opposition members. The Attorney General doesn't work for us. We'd like to do something, but where do we get that legal um, support and advice? We don't have that advice or legal support what, in my what office. What did the man from the Foreign Office say when, when you raised it with them, Charlene White? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just somebody who is there listening, yes, and he's sure. going to take back. Um, the messages to the ones who can make the difference and hopefully they fall on soft ears and something gets done. And of course, quite rightly, Chris, I said, I've got Dr. Benja, the clerk of the house. <laughs> I said, Dr. Benja, how can we help? Could we extend our Speaker's Council advice? Maybe we should be able to support the overseas territories. You know, we have somebody who will collectively deliver on behalf of the overseas territories so that there is that independent advice. So I think things can come from this. I think the seed has been planted. Let's see how it grows. Now, that, this, of course, is a, is a speakers-led conference on British Overseas Territories. And I should ask you while you're with me, Lindsay Hoyle, you've ordered a speakers conference, haven't you, on the culture in Westminster. What do you think's going wrong? And how can a speakers conference stop men watching pornography on their phones? Look, first of all, I think it's quite right that I've called for a speakers conference. It's a long time since we've had one. I think the time is right. I think the biggest issue that people have said, it's about, you know, accusations of the power dimensions between member and staff, and staff and member. And therefore, who is the independent arbiter of that? There is nobody. So if a staff have complaint against a member, they've got to go to the member. A member may have a problem with the staff. So it's this unusual working relationship that needs to be re-looked at, reworked in my opinion so what I would say is this is a great opportunity to have a speakers council where we can look at the employment arrangements could that be with the house could it be with Ips as alternatives but I need the government to sign up because I think this is a great way forward we've got to do something about the problems of the house it's no use looking the wrong way let's take it on board let's try and as I've always said I want a nicer parliament. I want a better parliament. And I want to make parliament more attractive for anybody to come forward to be a representative. And Boris Johnson won't sign up to this agreement so far? No, nobody said that at all. Well, I've said, I've now floated the idea. Obviously, I will be speaking to the Prime Minister. I think it's a great idea. I have had informal chats with okay. different parties. Have you got granddaughters, Lindsay Hoyle? Yes, a, a granddaughter. Would you advise your granddaughter to become an MP? I've got to say... My, my issue is that my daughter's considering standing this time. Right. For Parliament. And what I would say is, knowing my daughter, the grandchildren will have to work on the election. That could well put them off politics for life. But on the other hand... But you're also, you're also an MP yourself, aren't you, of course? I am indeed. Is she certain of she's been put off by what she heard of this week? Or? What, what she would say is it's a challenge. You know, she's a teacher by training... And therefore, she believes in discipline and doing the right things. And I think part of that challenge will be coming to Parliament to make sure that Parliament is there but to do, do the right But do you feel things. responsible that some women don't feel safe or some for this important? I take put upon. everything seriously and I take responsibility for this house. 
And I've got to say, fear of people coming forward will worry me. It's about supporting people, making sure there are no barriers to being elected to this parliament. Also importantly, we've got to make sure that this parliament looks right. If we want to be the beacon of democracy, the democracy that everybody wants to copy across the world, we've got to be squeaky clean and look right, smell right, and have the right normal family-friendly hours. That's what a lot of the women MPs tell me. They say we can't plan childcare because we don't know when we're required to sit half the time. I think it's a lot better than when I first came in in 97. I was going through the night, night after night. And that was absolutely ridiculous. But what we've also got to recognise, there is a balance to be struck. Because not all of us live in London. Our families live in London. You know, we live in the regions. We live across the United Kingdom. And it's about getting to London. So Mondays is a very difficult day. Look, what I would say is, if we have a speakers' conference, we can maybe look at the hours. We can look at whose employment is. I think we can broaden that out. We can also look at maybe the culture about what goes on here. First of all, we must establish that speakers' conference. Well, why don't I put on the back of the parties in the House of Commons five bullet points about how you're meant to behave? I know that some big companies have done that to adjust culture. They have five things you must have, what you should do at any point, and, and just have it round your neck. I'm sure as MPs we don't need to remind it how we should behave. That's part of the problem, you see. I That's think, part of the problem. You're saying I that think peer pressure will be there. And I think this is an opportunity. Look, there's a lot of good about Parliament. And there's a lot of good. There is nothing more important to me than democracy. And it's about ensuring democracy is open to everyone. What we've got to do is make sure it looks good, it feels good. And the public can respect Parliament. That's a hard job. Yep. But we've got to do that. We've got to rebuild that trust with the electorate. If we haven't got that trust... With nothing for the future. Would you ban phones from the chamber? I think what I would say is I was never a great believer in handheld devices. So I think the problem is people then read questions. When I came in, you didn't read questions. That was the difference. So you ban them? Why don't you ban them? Well, it's, it's, look, it's not for me to say. It <laughs> is for me to open that it's discussion like. you and talking. for others to actually take that decision. Because in the end, I am the representative of the chamber. So it is for those who sit in the chamber to decide what they wish to You're the shop steward for all MPs, aren't you? Absolutely. Should all bars stay open? But I always listen to the members (laughs) and the journalists. Should all bars stay open? Should the bars stay open? Look, in the end, let let me say to you, I'm not a regular user of strangers, but I do recognise a lot of history there that people do use it. We do have social... Annie's bar in the old days. And, And in the day, don't forget, the fact if you close the bar here, you're 100 yards as you go out to the gate, you've got a pub. So you, all you do is move the problems and the issues. Well, actually, I think you can do much better and make sure that you can support people who may have a problem. Did you regret summoning the edge of the mail on Sunday for a chat? <laughs> summoning my words, not your word. <laughs> no, but I didn't summon it. What I'm saying is I think it's good to speak. I speak to all journalists. I'd like to always speak to editors, political programmes. Because in the end, this is one big village. Yep. I've got to look after everybody in this village. Everybody matters to me. Health and welfare matters to everybody who's here. So that's where I always come from. And that, that was about an article about Angela Rayner and how she sat in uh, opposite the Tory party benches uh, during parliamentary questioning, crossing her legs in a suggestive way, Tory MP said. But your point is one of kindness, isn't it? You said from the beginning you want to be a kinder place. I want a kinder, a nicer, a respectful place. Yep. I don't expect people to agree with each other politically, far from it. 
but I expect people to respect other people's views. But, but, but you I don't, don't want, expect them to agree. But you don't want to take any passes off people some, from journalists losing their passes to report things? Apart from me possibly asking these questions, but otherwise... No, 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 far from it. I believe in the free press. Mm. I've always been clear on that. And that's why it's important to me. A free press matters. But go with that is a duty of care from the press as well. So it's about working together on the future of democracy. Madam Speaker White, do you have the same problems uh, with any of your MPs looking at questionable images on their mobile phones? <laughs> or I haven't had any um, you, you, I'm <laughs> any sure you'd be kick them out straight away, but, wouldn't you? Um, but we do have the problem with phones and I've been considering whether we Banning. need to tell them no phones. I think he, this, this guy <laughs> wants to ban them, but he won't tell me, that's the thing. Did you wear wigs when you went to you, your state no, of Parliament? Um, <laughs> we don't have the wigs don't in wear Montserrat. Wigs. I don't even have the proper robe. I wear a plain black robe. <laughs> we, so we don't have the same regalia. I mean, we can't afford the regalia, so we don't because, have that. And when you became speaker... Chris you, is obsessed with wigs. <laughs> when, when you became speaker, did you say you do things? You, you, you live on your pledges, don't you, when you become speaker? Yes. You do, because, or you uh, would say, I would consider. Because li- li- Lindsay Hoyle here, when he became speaker, he said he'd wear a full bottom wig. I said consider. I would consider. <laughs> well, will you be wearing your, your full, bo- full bottom wig uh, next week at the state opening parliament, Lindsay Hoyle? I've not even got that far ahead at the moment. I'm just trying to get through this conference. <laughs> we look forward to watching. Well, thank you for joining us both on this thank week's Chopper Politics. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and safe journey home. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So Lindsay Hoyle and Charlene are white there. We'll be back with another episode on the other side of the local elections on Friday. Myself and a collection of top Telegraph journalists will be reviewing the results and giving our reflections with esteemed pollster Martin Baxter from Electoral Calculus. It won't be one to miss. And of course, be sure to check out Dogs at Polling Stations on social media tomorrow. Always a fun element of any election day. And for more Chopper in your life, why not sign up to my Chopper's Politics newsletter? It delivers daily insights and political gossip straight into your inbox every weekday. And the link to sign up to that is in the show notes to this episode. Thank you to my guests, The Telegraph's Tony Diver, The People of Wandsworth, and of course, Sir Lindsay Hoyle and Charlena White. Thank you to my producers, Louisa Wells, Giles Gear, and Theodora Luludis. And of course, as ever, thank you to you for listening. And finally, if you can, please do buy a copy of The Daily Telegraph. You won't regret it. Until Friday, though, cheerio! 